Hello and welcome back to the Graham Cracker and Roasted Soup Show. This is Graham Zalek. And, and this is Justin Rosenau. And uh, in this episode, we will cover a variety of topics from the novel Slaughterhouse-Five, including the complex natures of time travel, the interesting idea of irony, and the compassionate nature of patriotism in both the novel and in America today. We will be analyzing these three topic, these three topic roles uh, in the book and how they apply to today's society and how it can be seen in day-to-day life. Hello and welcome back to the Graham Cracker and Rosen Soup Show. In this part, we will be talking about specifically time travel and the bugs and the relation to So It Goes and um, just uh, time travel in general. And something that caught me was uh, on, my pa- on page 133 in my book in chapter 4, uh, Vonnegut says, all time is all time. It was... I kind of saw that as how we talked about death in the last episode and how all time is all time and it will always be the same and like time is just a concrete uh, thing even though it is a kind of social construct it is something that's like concrete it's like once it passes it will never come back like once the sun sets that day that day is over and then when it rises the next morning you're beginning a new day but you cannot relive the last day thoughts on this Graham? Uh, yeah, I find it really interesting in how, uh, how, like, Vonnegut, like, describes time and how, like, he kind of, like, explains it through, like, the Trail of Famidorians, and he's, like, you know, uh, we're, like, bugs stuck in amber, and that really stood out to me, where it's, like, it, it's kind of, like, oh, we're, we're stuck, we're kind of just frozen in this time, but he also kind of shows it on how it's different, because Billy Pilgrim breaks that, and he time travels, and then he, like, whenever he, whenever, like, Vonnegut says, he, like, Oh, Billy Pilgrim gets unstuck in time, so it's it's him breaking away from the amber, and I th- found that very interesting, and how he kind of you know relates it from like the travel from Dorian and like time travel, and like also like the use of like explaining how like bugs are stuck in amber. It's like a very real thing, and also how it relates to like the so it goes, and how uh, you know when he talks about death and how it's kind of just a normal thing, and how time is also a normal thing, and. Uh, it kind of just happens. It's and also, uh, yeah. I thought that was just really cool. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, something else that caught me off guard or piqued my interest while I was reading was on page one fifteen in my book. It says he came slightly unstuck in time, saw the late movie backwards and then forwards again. It kind of started making me think about um, how sometimes history will repeat itself. Like day after day, it will be um well war and war and there's always war going on in this country and or not specifically in this country but in the world in general and the fact that as knowing I was born in 2002 and the war in Afghanistan started in 2001 we've been at war my whole life while also consecutively being in some other wars and fighting so I just found it interesting how like you try and learn from your mistakes but uh, war will always consistently be happening even like you saw World War One, and then it just leads into World War Two, which is was uh, probably worse and resulted in many more deaths but it was like the whole point or the whole uh, treaties of those wars were trying to hope, make sure this doesn't happen again and that it was not gonna like continue on but war just seems to be a consistent thing and it just kind of piqued my interest how time moving forward and backwards is just kind of relative to uh, history repeating itself over and over again. Uh, yeah, like kind of going off that and wars and stuff, it's like when I uh, when I was reading, I saw 
Like, there, there is no, like the Trout from the Dorians were saying, like, yeah, there is no why in life. Like, you don't ask the question why. It's just, it is what it is. And it kind of, go, like, it, it has a lot of relation with so it goes. And that's kind of what it, why we wanted to talk about it. And I found it very interesting. And how uh, it, nothing happens for a reason. That's that's what Monica really wants to push through Slaughterhouse-Five is that, there is no reason for things that are just happening. It just happens. Like, that's that's how he kind of tells his story and how he writes and how he, like, explains everything. He, it's, just, it's just a thing that happens. It's just a part of normal life and also how, like, time travel is not part of normal life. So, and I found that very interesting how he's like, nothing happens for a reason, but then, you're like, you have time travel. So, like, I thought, I don't know, I thought that was really cool. Yeah, like Graham was saying, uh, time travel is not, like, a specific part of actual life but like it says in my book one on page 176 in chapter five it says uh they couldn't imagine what time looked like to him i mean i can only imagine uh being able to time travel how that would change your perception of time and how that will obviously affect someone they get the basically they could change or they could see all of this um they could see all of this stuff happening that's happened in the past that they didn't get to see or fully experience or comprehend and then if they go to the, if you can time travel to the future, it's like seeing where you end up, all what your decisions have gotten you, and where that really puts you in life. Yeah, so I, I think that's gonna wrap it up for our talk about time. And I mean, it was a, it's a very interesting topic. It relates a lot to the novel and a lot to kind of everyday life. And also, it's it's kind of that like repetition of everything, just how it happens and so it goes. So uh, we're gonna close out. We'll see you in a bit. All right, welcome back. So uh, our next topic is uh, irony and how irony, or how ironic uh, Dresden is and how it was kind of explained throughout the novel and how, like, recently we, we learned, especially we talked about in the last episode, of how, like, the true history of Dresden and how um, Vonnegut explains it and um, how, like, the soldiers perceive it right at the beginning as soon as they walk in and kind of the horror and kind of horrible history that it has during the war, so... Uh, we're going to start it off right now. Yeah, so as Graham was saying, we talked about the obviously horrific history Dresden has had, but the irony that I personally see in it was that um, it's seen as such like a beautiful city, and it, it's like it really wasn't popular, so it wasn't like expected to get bombed or anything. And a quote that uh, kind of pertains to this was on page 142 in my book, after poor Edgar Derby, the high school teacher, was shot in Dresden later on. And then later on in the same, on the next page, actually, it says Edgar Derby and, or, I'm sorry, uh, on page 152, it says the volunteer was Edgar Derby, the high school teacher who would be shot to death in Justin. So anytime Edgar Derby is, like, mentioned, it instantly brings up death, and it's it's automatically kind of tied into Dresden, which really kind of um, surprised me because, which, I mean, I did notice that it was the irony, but it kind of surprised me because Justin was like all like a peaceful kind of not really important city. That's probably why all the POWs and such were brought there because not all war is like about death. It's kind of a strategic thing about winning. So like they bring the POWs there and but it's just like such pinned and intertwined to death because every time he might he says Edgar Derby that I saw it's immediately about him being shot and it's being like dying in Dresden and the irony is just the fact that it's all um it's all like supposed to be nice peaceful 
just um, kind of calm, irrelevant, and then it just brings to death, and it really kind of gets the reader's interest. It's like, oh, wait, so this city's not really that safe or not really that good. Just like with all the bombs, it's like the city was destroyed, and it was supposedly a beautiful city, and it was just destroyed, like obliterated. Nothing was still left, all because of the fact that it was um, in the war. They wanted to, they just brought the death to it, and it just kind of pinned it together. And uh, like I was, yeah, going back to what he said is that, you know, he Yvonne paints like a really nice picture, and like he kind of explains it through like each character too, where it's like, oh, what did this person think of it or this person, and it was like the British soldiers, like he, they commented on Dresden how it's a beautiful city, it's super open, and it's like you're, it's like they're not gonna feel like they're even in war, is that like they're kind of, they're out of the way, it's a, like a safe city that was like it was like known. That it's like in the middle of nowhere, non-strategic. It's nothing. It's kind of, kind of like a place to get a, escape from war. And it was like a perfect place for Peter abuse. And I, th- like, just how Vonnegut explains it, how beautiful and how architectural it really was, and um, how it kind of just went back to just going just in shambles, and how everything kind of just burned and like was destroyed. And like, it, like it also has its horrors of being a really nice city. Uh, page like two thirty three in my book was uh, speaking of people from Poland. Billy Pilgrim accidentally saw a pole hanged in public about three days after Billy got to Dresden. So it was this really nice city, but it also like had like a public hanging, and I'm like whoa. And like after like the like the praise that it all got, and then it's like three days after he's been there, he watched a public hanging of a Polish man. I'm like what the heck? Um, something that also kind of. Uh got my attention in that quote was that it said Billy Pilgrim accidentally saw a pole hanging like hanged in public and the fact that he used accidentally really kind of interests me because like why would it be accidentally if you know you're in a war and all that I mean of course nobody wants to see that but it's like it's he knew it was going on but tried to like not acknowledge it and tried to just keep it away something also from my book that caught my attention was uh on page 210, it says, uh, and poor old Edgar Derby that, um, I mean, Lazaro promised Billy and poor Edgar, old Edgar Derby that he was going to get, have revenge. So all these people knew these bad things were going on, and people just didn't see it as just, because of course it was not, especially to the people Dresden and the people that were killed there because of, like I said, the safe connotation that went with it. And these people just wanted revenge for, like, the dead, the fallen, and all this such. But a lot of people just kind of put on the blinders and just didn't realize what was going on and pay attention to it all. And that really caught my interest. Another negative connotation I saw with uh, Edgar Derby and the death was, uh, it's referred to on page 186, um, she was referring to the execution of poor old Edgar Derby. And it uh, interested me because uh, Vonnegut, of course, chooses the word execution knowing full well, full that it will... um, it will bring in the negative connotation to the death. It was an execution because he obviously did something wrong and just bringing more death into the city than was actually necessary. I just, all over the time, death was brought into the city and then it all led up to the actual bombings and the whole city being destroyed and just left out. And it, all the beautiful city and the safe city it was being known for it was just, the whole reputation was gone throughout the window and they had nothing left really in the aspect of actually after the bombing they actually had nothing left like the whole city was destroyed and no many people were dead 
you were looking for loved ones, the, all the all the buildings were destroyed and such. Uh, yeah, like kind of, and what I thought of was that Vonnegut really he kind of speaks about certain topics and things throughout Slaughterhouse Five, and I feel like he's speaking through different characters. So, like, through Billy and his time travel and his life, he's kind of speaking through Billy and through him. And also, I mean, I kind of interpret it this way, is that, like, whenever he talks about Dresden, he's like, what Justin was saying was, like, old Edgar Derby, and how his death, and how, like, his death was so, like, related to Dresden. I thought that that was very interesting, and we're going to kind of go on to our uh, final topic of today's episode, and uh, we'll see you in a bit. Hello and welcome back to the Graham Cracker and Rosenzoom Show. In this particular part of the episode, we will be talking about patriotism, the reaction of people of Dresden, false patriotism. Uh, we might, we're going to touch on militarism and just the kind of the soldiers' perspective and um, views of the people of Dresden. So yeah, first we're going to talk about the patriotism and especially what like Justin just mentioned was the kind of the patriotism of the soldiers and how each of them kind of expressed their own kind of patriotism in their kind of own sort of way. So um, so what kind of jumped at me was uh, this quote. And it says, uh, next to Lazaro was the poor old high school teacher, Edgar Derby, mournfully pregnant with patriotism and middle age and imaginary wisdom and so on. So kind of how I thought that was very interesting and in how he kind of explains how Edgar Derby is kind of like blinded by his patriotism and how he kind of like remains faithful to his country and how he kind of still thinks about it and how he's like living through their time and how and their experience here like away from them like America and how they're kind of like alone and super far away and how they still have their well at least Edgar Derby still has his patriotism and how he still believes in um, his America his America his country and I thought that was very interesting and uh Another type thing was uh, the Howard W. Campbell uh, Jr.'s monograph, and it said, uh, America's the wealthiest nation on earth, but its people are mainly poor, and poor Americans are urged to hate themselves. And I, I thought that was very interesting how it's kind of true in how America is like the super wealthy nation and how, so, and how like people in this country are, are poor. They live like below the poverty, poverty line. I thought that was very interesting of how this book was written how many years ago, and then, like, it's just this, like, monograph is just immediately touches upon it, and I found that very interesting. And how he says that they were urged to hate themselves, and it kind of reflects back on that patriotism of the, of the soldiers and kind of through, like, Vietnam and how, like, soldiers were, like, brought, like, that came back from Vietnam were, like, made, getting, like, made fun of, like, jeered and mocked at because of what they did in that war. And I thought that was very interesting with all the stuff that they went to go and protect. And then they're, like, urged to hate themselves because they don't care for every single person. I thought that was very interesting of just the history of this book and how he kind of expands on that. Yeah, um, as Graham was saying, like, with the Vietnam people coming back, it kind of brings to question, um, like, the patriotism. Uh, patriotism for the people who are signing up for the military seems to be a completely different thing from the people that uh, just kind of sit back at home and do the home front. It's people who are signing up for the military. Most of them believe they're trying to do what's right for their country and help, help like, uh, protect the freedoms that are at least in America and do such, and they do so out of their free will. And it kind of just brings to question um, 
like, what, what's the difference between, like, knowing what you're signing up for and then getting there? And, like, in Vietnam, it was, like, people were called baby killers and such, and it was all because of what happened all over there. But I don't think anybody actually signed up for the war in Vietnam going, oh, I'm going to kill some babies. I mean, they didn't sign up for that, but it is what it came with it, and it's just they thought that that's what they were being told to do, that's what they thought was right, that's what they thought they had to do to keep it going. Something that I noticed was uh, on my page 211 in my book in chapter 6, it says, when Dresden was destroyed later on, incidentally, Lazaro did not exult. This kind of brings the question, uh, like I said, I was talking about patriotism, but it also kind of ties into militarism. America takes such great pride in their military, but the patriotism that has to do with this quote was, it says, when Dresden was destroyed, as America destroyed it completely, Lazaro did not exult. That means it like didn't bring him any happiness, didn't bring him any joy and such. And it's like, I don't think Lazaro signed up for the mil or I don't actually know if Lazaro was drafted or he signed up or however he got there. It wasn't uh, that he was like happy. It was the fact that it was um it was destroyed. He was like, oh my God, that's what happened now. That's what it's gonna be. I can't change it. I don't think he I don't think he got there and it was like, okay, I can't wait to destroy Dresden. It was just what was happening. What the uh, what um, the like sergeants and the officials and all the ranking military members were telling them to do because that's what they they saw fit and that's what they thought could protect um, everybody in the long run. And this brings into militarism still because uh, America takes great pride in the military. They do um, they put a lot of money into it. They have they make sure that a lot of people sign up and uh, and such. And it just still brings the question. Um, like the difference between kind of like right and wrong in a military situation do you do what's uh right and if you're if so, like a commanding officer tells you to do something and you think it's wrong do you do it anyways because then you can be like thrown in jail and stuff or do you stand up for what you believe in but it just still brings to question like how these people interacted with the like people of Justin. it was like um there was like really nothing going on all most of the prisoners were there and they were just kind of reacting to them like, okay, these people have nothing to do with anything. They're kind of just civilians and all that. And then the one night everybody was killed in the bombings that just obliterated the city, as I said in the previous part and in the last episode. And it just, you can't repeat enough how much of an impact that really had on these people. It literally destroyed their city, their homes, their families, just obliterated everything that they can care about. And it's all because of the patriotism and militarism America holds. They wanted to kind of set an example, which can also be seen in uh, Nagasaki and uh, Hiroshima. The bomb really wasn't needed because there were many civilians in the area, but like they just bombed them to kind of set an example. Because they also, uh, some stuff that I read was uh, America didn't really realize that those, or I mean, Japan didn't realize that those were America's only two nukes. It's like there was the kind of scare factor and the fact that they didn't know what was coming and that it was to set an example off of them to like Germany and stuff, especially since Germany didn't have the power of nukes. It's all about like the militarism we have and the um, high standards we set for it. And it's just like it leveled like cities and stuff and all the bombs. And Dresden was kind of used as an example in this situation. They were bombed and it was destroyed, but it didn't bring these people happiness. It just kind of brought them closer to what they hoped would be the end of the war. They wanted it to end just like everybody else, no matter what was going on. And the patriotism was like, they were hoping that it was doing what's right for their country and that it would bring them 
it would bring their country uh, safety back to their families, their friends, their home and such, so they can live on the better side of life. Well, that was pretty good. I don't know. <laughs> wow. Well, I mean, it's it's a very interesting topic, and it's very easy to get into, like like Justin was. Like you talk for like five minutes, man. But it's like like it's kind of that sense of like like passionate and how how like how much you're into it. And I I'm kind of glad that you talked for that long, and how it was like very interesting, and how like some people like experience and like are so connected to this and like me too i'm like i mean i didn't talk for five minutes but that was like that was really cool i mean i i really enjoyed it i mean so uh, i think we're gonna wrap it up justin hit on like a lot of points and i thought it was very good uh so we're gonna end it here and uh we'll see you guys in the next episode thank you so much for joining and listening to us today this has been the graham cracker and rosen soup show in this episode we covered the topics of time travel and bugs the irony of dresden and patriotism we found out how all of these played major roles in the novel and outside of it in today's society. See you next week for the new episode.